Hi, welcome everyone to the second edition of the Rabbi Rabinowitz podcast. Last time we began to study the common practices and customs that we have during the month of Elul, the month that precedes Rosh Hashanah. As I mentioned last time, I'm not looking to do any uh, major uh, deep discussions or anything like that. There was just a request to go through the basics. What are the common practices, halachos, laws, menhagim, customs that we have during these times? And that's my intention as we continue. So I'd like to discuss today what we do on Erev Rosh Hashanah and on Rosh Hashanah itself. Erev Rosh Hashanah is the expression that we use whenever we say Erev. So Erev actually can be a little bit confusing. Erev has two meanings. Erev means night time, and Erev also we refer to it as the day before. So like, for example, Erev Shabbos would be Friday um, Friday morning, Friday afternoon. That would be Erev Shabbos. Erev Pesach would be the day before Pesach, that that night is going to be the first Seder. So Erev Rosh Hashanah, would be the night before, the day, rather, before the first night of Rosh Hashanah. People get confused sometimes when they know the word Erev to be evening, and they're like, does that mean Erev Rosh Hashanah, you mean Rosh Hashanah night? So no, that's not the way that we're using the expression here. Um, Erev Rosh Hashanah would be the day before Rosh Hashanah. So, before we get to that, I think I forgot to mention last time that there's a custom during the month of Elul that when we see people that we're not sure if we're going to see them again before Rosh Hashanah, or if we write a letter to so, excuse me, write a letter to someone, or we speak to someone, and we're not sure if we're going to speak to them again before Rosh Hashanah. So, because Rosh Hashanah is on everyone's mind, and of course Rosh Hashanah, as we'll talk about, everyone is being judged. So, therefore, it's appropriate to give them a bracha to wish them a kesiva vachasima. Tova, which means everyone's going to be written in a book, um, hopefully in the book of life, or God forbid, in the book of death. So therefore you wish them that the kasiva, the writing, and the chasima, that not only are you written in the book, but you're signed, you're sealed in the book, that should all be tova, it should all be for good, it should be in the good book, and not, God forbid, the other one. So therefore it's customary during the month of all to wish people this blessing, a kasiva vachasima tova. In fact, just today um, I got a phone call from someone in Chicago that uh, I don't know when I'll speak to them again. So when he was hanging up the phone, he wished me a kasiva v'chasima tova. So, of course, I was polite, and I followed this custom, and I wished him the same too, that he also should be written and sealed in the good book. And there's always a good idea to get as many brachos as you can. It says... Um, I think it's in Perkeavos, Alti Birchos Birchas Hegiot Kalabenacha, which means even someone that you think is not really a big tzaddik, not necessarily the type of person you would run to to receive a bracha, but nevertheless you never know whose brachos have more power, whose brachos have less power. So therefore if somebody offers you a bracha, you say, Amen. May it be true, may it happen. So during this month, hopefully many people will wish you a Kesiva Vachasimatova, and you say, Amen, the same to you. May you also be written and sealed in the good book. Now, we mentioned last week, or last time, that during the month of Elul, it's customary that after Shachris, after morning services, we blow the shofar every single day in Shul at the end of the davening. The exception would be Shabbos. On Shabbos, we don't blow the shofar. But other than that, during the entire month of Elul, we blow the shofar. Now, on Erev Rosh Hashanah, the day before Rosh Hashanah, after Shachris, we don't blow the shofar. Now, there are two reasons that are given for this. The reason which I think is less known 
is this idea that we want to separate between the two types of shofar blowing. You may remember that last time we mentioned that during the month of Elul, when you blow the shofar, it's only a custom. And therefore, if you blow a tekiah, a straight sound, then it comes out really lousy. So like, okay, fine. And Rosh Hashanah, so we would make the shofar blower blow it again because the way that he blew is just not necessarily good enough in order for the shofar blast to be kosher, quote-unquote, in other words, for it to be acceptable as a true shofar blast, so then it needs to have certain requirements which um, need to be met. And uh, if it isn't long enough or, uh, you know, if it died out in the middle of something like that, so then it may not be halakhically acceptable, and therefore we would tell the shofar blower to try again. During the month of Elul, where the blowing is only a custom, so therefore we would just say, all right, whatever, it's probably good enough, and we wouldn't ask the shofar blower to do it again. However, on Rosh Hashanah, we would make him do it again. Now, if we're blowing every single day for a month, and then the next day is Rosh Hashanah, and look at that, once again, we're blowing shofar, so people won't necessarily, on their own, automatically distinguish between the two types of shofar blowing. The shofar blowing, which is known as a tequila of rishus, rishus meaning voluntary, not really voluntary, the custom is to do it, but after everything is said and done, it's only a custom, and the blowing on Rosh Hashanah, which is actually biblically mandated, it says explicitly in the Torah, that on Rosh Hashanah we have to blow the shofar. And because of that, the requirements of what we would make a good shofar blast on Rosh Hashanah are very different. In order to differentiate between the two blasts, we have the one day where we take a break. And during that one day that we take a break, we don't push off, and that leads us to realize that, look at that, they're not the same thing. Now, of course, it's true during the month of El, we only blow four blasts, a tekiah, shvarm, true, and a tekiah. But during Rosh Hashanah, we blow 100, but still we want to do something to differentiate, to show, besides for just a sheer number, to show that they're not the same. The other reason, which is probably the more famous reason, is a little bit hard to accept. It says that the Satan, the Satan meaning the uh, Yetzir Hara, the evil inclination, so uh, he wants to, he has the power, if you will, to prevent the Jews from doing mitzvahs and to try to convince us that we have to sin. We have to commit averos. So we want to confuse the Satan so that he will allow us to do teshuva. He will allow us to repent, to get ready for Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah itself, to actually achieve repentance, to do a nice davening, to accept upon ourselves that Hashem is the king of the world and that we have to do his will. And uh, if the Satan is going to have a free reign to be able to do whatever he wants on Rosh Hashanah, then we'll be busy uh, talking about whether the rabbi gave a good sermon, the rabbi gave a bad sermon, whether the food at the Kiddush was good, the food at the Kiddush was no good, whether the chazan sang nicely this year or last year was better, all these comments that we're going to make, and it will distract us from the main goal of the day. So therefore, we want the satan to give us a little bit of a break. The idea that's presented is that we could somehow trick the Satan into not realizing that it's Rosh Hashanah. So, the way that I always explain it to my class at school, it's a little bit exaggerated, um, and the question is glaring, but nevertheless, um, the way that I explain it is that during the month of Elul, the Satan really has to work overtime. And the reason why he has to work overtime is because Jews are inspired, and they're working hard to make sure to uh, do proper teshuva, to get ready for the fact that Rosh Hashanah is coming. And Yom Kippur is right around the corner. And therefore, 
things which maybe all year long they wouldn't think twice about doing during this month. They're like, you know, I'm not going to do that now. I know that this month you have to be more careful. This is a very special month. And this drives the Satan crazy because he wants us to sin. Well, then to make matters worse, as we get closer to Rosh Hashanah, as we mentioned last week, there's all these extra prayers that we say in the morning before Shachris. We have these prayers called Slichos. And Jews are getting up a good half an hour early to be able to come to Shul to say these slichos. In fact, those that have the Sephardic custom are ready from the second day of Elul. They're saying these slichos. So, he's trying to get us to sin, and look at that. Everywhere around him, people are getting better and better and better. So, this is driving him crazy. Um, he's got to wake up earlier. He's got to stay up later. The idea being that if then, the day before Rosh Hashanah, there is no chauffeur blowing. So then the Sutton's going to say to himself, Huh? What's going on? Why are they not blowing chauffeur? It's the month of El. You blow chauffeur during the month of El. Now, of course, you know, if he was listening to my podcast, so then he, or anyone's teaching for that matter, then he would know that we don't blow on the day before Shoshana. But he's thinking to himself, uh, Why did they not blow chauffeur today? is Erev Rosh Hashanah. I don't get it. Oh, man, I must have missed it. I know I've been exhausted. Maybe I just, like, didn't just oversleep, but I really overslept, and I missed Rosh Hashanah. And that's why there was no chauffeur blowing today. So therefore, he's going to say, I can't believe that I missed it. Well, you know what? I definitely earned a vacation because during this last month, I have been having to work overtime to get you, the Jews to sin. So that's it. The Satan, if you imagine, leaves and he goes to uh, Hawaii. And he's sitting there in Hawaii and uh, he's on the beach and uh, he's sipping a pina colada. He's like, man, this is a hard month. I really uh, work hard during this month. And all of a sudden, from the local uh, Chabad in uh, Honolulu, he hears the chauffeur being blown. And he's thinking to himself, chauffeur? Why is anybody blowing the chauffeur? Rosh Hashanah is over. So he goes running over to the closest newsstand. He takes a look at the date, and he realizes that he's been tricked. And in fact, today is Rosh Hashanah. So till he gets back to the mainland and gets a chance to bother us, we already finished uh, most of davening, and uh, and therefore we get this freedom from the southern. Now, I don't have an answer to the question like, how does he fall for it every single year? Or why does he not fall for it beforehand? I'm not sure, but this is the reason that's given. Another example of when we do this is that it's customary that every single month, the Shabbos that before Rosh Chodesh is known as Shabbos Mevarchim, which literally means the Shabbos of, uh, where we bless, and it's referring to the fact that we bless the new month. Um, and the Chazan gets up and he holds the Sefer Torah in his hand and he announces what day uh, Rosh Chodesh will be. And he holds the Sefer Torah and he says, uh, Rosh Chodesh, Elul Yiyeh, B'yom HaShabbos, Ulamach Rosh B'yom HaRishon HaBaleinu, V'akol Yisrael, He says, uh, Rosh Chodesh, Elul, um, will be on Shabbos and the following day on Sunday, uh, which is coming to us and to the entire Jewish people for good. And the following month you would um, normally also... 
the Shabbos before Rosh Chodesh, you would, you would announce that Rosh Chodesh is coming up. However, the Shabbos before Tishrei, which is the month of Rosh Hashanah, we don't do Birkas HaChodesh. And the reason given is the same thing. Once again, we want to confuse the Satan. If we would get up in Shul and we would announce that uh, Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, which is also Rosh Hashanah, same thing, is going to be on Monday, then he would know that it's going to be on Monday. So why that will tell him, but like looking in a calendar, he's too stupid to do. I I don't know, but this is the reason that's given, that that's why we don't blow the shofar on Erev Rosh Hashanah, or for that matter, do this Berkas HaChodesh on the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah to confuse the Satan that he shouldn't realize that Rosh Hashanah is actually... uh, that he is not, we want him to think that he's in fact missed Rosh Hashanah, not realize that it's going to be the next day. There's also a custom that on Erev Rosh Hashanah, after the long davening that we have, because we have an extra long slichos on Erev Rosh Hashanah, like we mentioned last time, so after Shachris we do something called Hataras Nidar. Hataras Nidar means an annulment of vows. And the way that that works is that if somebody vows that they're going to do something and they don't keep their vow, then that's a very serious sin. However, it's not so simple, but depending on the circumstances, one does have the ability to get his vow annulled. And then he won't continue to sin every time he doesn't keep his word because of the fact that that vow has been annulled. Uh, In order to get your vow annulled, you need to stand there in front of a bezd, in front of three people, and read to them a certain text saying to them, I feel bad that I made this vow because it's not a vow that I can keep. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that anyone should feel free to just make a vow because afterwards you can just get out of it. It's not so simple. However, because the sin of not keeping your word is so severe, um, we therefore want to go and do this annulment before Shoshana to be able to free us from any vows that we might have made. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I don't remember ever making a vow, this can't apply to me. However, there is an idea that if somebody accepts upon themselves to do a mitzvah, and uh, even if they either verbally say that they're going to do the mitzvah, or they actively do the mitzvah, and they don't specify that I'm doing this bili neder. Bili neder means without a vow. So the fact that you took upon yourself, you started practicing this good practice, so you say, well, I was only doing it on a trial basis. But you didn't say that you were only doing it on a trial basis. And that, excuse me, actually could have the status of a vow, which means that there's probably a number of times that you said, you know what, I think that I'm going to try to, and you did it twice or three times, and then that was it, you never did it again. Um, but now you're getting busted every time that you don't do it, because halachically, that actually has the status of a vow. So therefore, in order to free ourselves from those vows, so we do hataras nidarim, the synonymous of vows, before Rosh Hashanah. It's done typically in Shul. Somebody doesn't uh, make it to Shul, so then they could um, find three other people, just find three people and ask them, Can you, would, you, would you mind, it'll take about five minutes, um, depending, of course, how fast you read, but would you mind uh, participating in this for me? If for whatever reason someone does not or cannot, so then that is also the reason why Yom Kippur starts with Kol Nidre. As we'll talk more hopefully before Yom Kippur, I'll say Billy Nader, without a vow, um, so, kol nidre actually means all vows. And kol nidre is not talking about the uh, amazing day of Yom Kippur. It's not asking Hashem for forgiveness. Kol nidre says, Hashem, any vow or promise or oath 
or other type of vow or etc. It just has a bunch of different, I don't want to say synonyms because each one is a little bit different. But all these different types of promises, vows that somebody makes, um, please release us from those vows. And that's one of the reasons why you have three people standing on the beam, the chazan and um, the two people that are holding the Sefer Torah, because once again, that forms this Bezdin, that forms like a court, um, to release the congregation from vows. So if someone didn't do Hataris Nidaram before Rosh Hashanah, so the vows could be annulled on Yom Kippur through the Kol Nidre. There is a custom that many people have to fast for half a day, on Erev Rosh Hashanah, uh, which would be Halachic Midday. So you'd have to find out exactly uh, what time Halachic Midday is. Um, it is a rather common custom, although I will admit that when I was growing up, I had never heard of it. In fact, I was uh, 18 years old and I was in Yeshiva. And uh, my Rosh Hashiva, the head of the Yeshiva, said that this custom had fast on Erev Rosh Hashanah until midday. And a bunch of us were like, what? And he says, yes, definitely, that is the common custom. So since then, I've always tried to uh, to fast for uh, half a day on Erev Rosh Hashanah, and it is somewhat common. But it's there are many people where that don't uh, that don't seem to do it. There is an idea to prepare oneself specifically for Rosh Hashanah. There's a halachic uh, work that was, it was the predecessor to the Shulchan Aruch, Shulchan Aruch being the code of Jewish law, called the Tour. And in the Tour, so he quotes this medrash that says that. Uh, Today, it's, it's actually the opposite. But back then, if somebody had a court case, so they would come to, uh, and they were nervous that they may be condemned to death, so they would come to court looking uh, terrible. Their hair would be long, their fingernails would be long, uh, they would not be uh, recently bathed, and I guess this was a way to express maybe your nervousness with the judgment that's coming. Um, obviously, today it's the opposite. Uh, all these uh, serial killers, they come in their finest uh, three-piece suit as they sit there. But uh, but back then it wasn't that way. So the shuch- so the tour quotes this medrash that us Jews, we should show that we are confident that Hashem is going to give us a good judgment on Rosh Hashanah. Now, it doesn't mean that we could do nothing, but we're going to go through all of the motions and mean it. We're going to do all the actions to prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah, but we should show that we're confident in the fact that Hashem will, in fact, look, see that we're sincere, and put us in the book of life. And therefore, there's an idea to come to into Rosh Hashanah looking your finest. Um, therefore, uh, to uh, shave before Rosh Hashanah, if uh, one shaves, to get a haircut, before Rosh Hashanah uh, to cut your nails. Now, these may th- may all be obvious, but in other words, the idea is that you really want to look your best when you when you come into Shul to show that I have confidence that and uh, and I don't have to be scared and look the way when they that they used to look the opposite. Um, but I show that I have a certain confidence. Many do have a custom that they go to the mikveh on Erev Rosh Hashanah. On Erev Yom Kippur, it's a much more common custom. But uh, Erev Rosh Hashanah, many men have a custom. Even if the rest of the year they don't, that to prepare themselves for Rosh Hashanah, to bring a little bit of extra purity in, they do go to the mikveh on Erev Rosh Hashanah. Wow, that's almost 20 minutes already. So I think I'll stop here. This was the second installment. Thank you for listening. I appreciated last time everyone that uh, told me that they listened and offered feedback. So uh, please uh, feel free to do the same and offer any feedback that you might have. There's no question that I'm sure there are uh, probably hundreds of 
if not thousands, of recorded lectures about Rosh Hashanah, and I'm sure there are all types, and probably even some that are doing something similar to what I'm doing, but at least this has the added benefit that we're all part of the same community, and uh, if you see me in show the or the like, you may feel comfortable to come over and talk to me and ask me, like, oh, why'd you explain it this way, or I think you made a mistake, or something like that. So yes, I would uh, love to receive any feedback, and uh, if you don't have my email address, and you want to just email me, so that's uh, mayor.rabinowitz at gmail.com, M-A-Y-E-R dot R-A-B-I-N-O-W-I-T-Z at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I wish you a kasiva v'chasima Tova. May everyone who listens be, and everyone, be written and sealed in the book of life.